right. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Can we give it up for Pastor Kyle? He's so good at that, man. I love it. It's funny. I feel like I can listen to Pastor Kyle do a tithes and offering message all day. I don't know what it is about the way you bring the, just the truth of the kingdom of God like that. I so much appreciate it. Does anybody else appreciate it, Pastor Kyle? Come on, give it up for him one more time. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, welcome. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor. Give them a high five, a handshake, a hug, whatever you're comfortable with. Let them know that you're happy to see them here at CNC today. You know, I wanted them to turn the middle row of lights on because there's so many handsome and beautiful faces that I couldn't see, and I want to see y'all's faces. Y'all look so good, and we're so grateful that you're here with us today. Well, if you didn't know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Did anybody know that? Wave at me. It's Pentecost Sunday. Awesome. And I believe as I was studying throughout this week about the Pentecost holiday and tradition, um, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a word. And listen, I'm so excited. I, I haven't been this excited to share a word in a very long time. Um, as Pastor Kyle was doing the announcements, I was over there, my leg was twitching. I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And so I'm excited that you're here with us. Again, if this is your first time here and you've never been to church on the North Coast, or maybe you've been here but you've never, I've never had the pleasure of meeting you, I'm going to be in the back at the cafe right after service. I would love to shake your hand and just get to know a little bit more about who you are and, and where you're from and what the Lord's doing in your life. We appreciate all of those who come and, and hang out with us. So um, we're, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Pentecost. Can we all say that together? Pentecost. And I want to read this scripture verse. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Does anybody have their Bible, paper Bible? Wave them at me. Wave your paper Bibles in the air, everybody. Let's go. There we go. All right. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is going to be worth turning to Acts chapter 2. I know we have um, the screen's up there, but we're going to camp out in Acts 2 for a little bit. We're going to jump around, but it'll be worth flipping your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2. In verse 1, it goes on to say this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's what I want us to understand today. This is the idea of the message. Pentecost was the fulfillment of Christ's work on the cross. What happened that day, 2,000 years ago, on the first Pentecost after Christ rose from the dead, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, was the fulfillment of everything Jesus died on the cross for. Hear me now. I'm not saying your sins weren't forgiven until Pentecost. That's not what I'm saying. Because the moment Christ died on the cross, our sins were forgiven. Amen? You believe that? Wave at me, right? All right, you believe that? I, I'm not saying this, that you, your, your ticket to heaven, if you were, it wasn't paid for on the cross. It was paid for on the cross. But how many know and understand this truth? That the goal of Jesus coming to earth in the form of a baby, living his life, dying on the cross, was not just so you could get to heaven. But the goal of Jesus was both that you could get to heaven and heaven could get to you. Because here's the truth. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send someone 
to you. And it is this day of Pentecost that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit was sent to the church. And the Bible tells us that the apostles that were in that upper room, all 120 of them, were filled with God himself the spirit of the living God inside of them. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the significance of Pentecost. We're going to understand what it means, what the Lord's speaking through us today. What does it mean 2,000 years later for us? And I believe the Holy Spirit has a word for us. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in this room. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross and none of this would have been um, possible without your sacrifice, without you spreading your arms wide and giving up your life for us, as, as us, Jesus. We thank you and remember that sacrifice. And today, Holy Spirit, we ask you according to your word in Ephesians 1.17 that you would come in and you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let us know you, let us see you, let our eyes be unveiled so that we can see the King of glory. We love you, and I pray that you would bless our time together. In your name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so I want everybody to take out your phones. If you got a piece of paper, if you got a little, a little a pen, whatever the case is, we're going to go to school. Anybody going to, like going to school? Anybody like learning? No? All right. Well, a couple of people, right? Well, we're going to go to school, and I'm going to give you a little bit of information today, okay? I promise it's going to be good. Uh, but first, what we have to do is we have to understand what Pentecost means. The word Pentecost, all it means is this, 50 that's all it means. Pentecost means 50, and it actually is not, believe it or not, a New Testament tradition or holiday or special day. The day of Pentecost traces back all the way to the book of Leviticus where God told the children of Israel to celebrate a feast. And it was referred to as the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. Everybody say Feast of Weeks. The Hebrew word for it, and I've been practicing this all week so I can say it right for you, and I'm probably going to mess it up, Shavuot. It's close. It's close. But it's, it's referred to as the Feast of Weeks, and this is, this is the appointed time that God declared that the children of Israel should celebrate the Feast of Weeks. This is the Pentecost day. The word Pentecost is a Greek word, and this word is the Hebrew word denoting the day that they would celebrate the Feast of Weeks. So let's look at our Bible in Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to uncover a little bit more about what this day is, why it's significant, what is the Feast of Weeks. It says this in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, we'll pause there because this is referring and referencing another previous feast, the Feast of First Fruits, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But what God is saying is from the day of first, the Feast of First Fruits, you're going to start counting, okay? So the Bible is saying, start counting. And it says, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Verse 16, count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, seven weeks is 49 days, and the Bible says the day after, that 50th day, shall be the Feast of Weeks, this Pentecost day. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to 
the Lord. And so you can read through it if you have your Bible for taking notes. Write down Leviticus chapter 23. And I want you to go home and, and we can't spend all the time in today doing this. But if you read through this chapter, what you'll see is the prophetic symbol of all of these different feasts that the Lord has commanded his people to, to observe, right? And so this is just a, one in a long list. But you can go back and look at it. But what we have to understand is that Pentecost is the celebration for the harvest, This is what the Feast of Weeks was. It was the celebration for the harvest or the provision of God to the people of Israel. It was this day where the children of Israel, they would take their first fruits from the harvest. They would go and they would sacrifice. They would would have these wave offerings before the Lord, thanking him for his abundance. This is reflected when Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that they can have life and what? Life more abundantly. So this is the celebration of the abundance of life, the harvest that God has given his people. It was a really, it was an extraordinary holiday. In fact, when you look back at some of the other holidays that preceded this, we learn a lot because here's what you have to understand about the Old Testament. And I heard a, um, a Messianic Jew rabbi, uh, Christian rabbi teach on this. And I love what he said. He said this, the Old Testament and the New Testament are not two different religions. He said the Old Testament and the New Testament are like a hand in a glove, Right? Everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to one man named Jesus. And so what we have to understand is that when Jesus came on the scene, he didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. You hear so many Christians today say, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen. That book's in the Old Testament. That's not a part of my faith. No, no, no. Don't get it twisted. This is just as much a part of your faith as any of the letters that Paul wrote. Why? Because Jesus said this, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to what? Fulfill the law. I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so when we see things in the Old Testament, what we have to think and the question we have to ask ourselves is, where is Jesus in this? Anytime you open up the Old Testament, you should be finding Jesus because I promise you, he is all over the Bible. You, if, you're looking, if you're really looking for Jesus, he is from cover to cover. Amen? So I want to provide a little bit of context for you. I know some of you might be a little confused, but I want to share with you some of the context around the feasts, and it's going to help you get a better understanding of the things that transpired. The first feast that I'm sure you're familiar with is called Passover. Everybody heard of Passover before, right? So Passover was the feast that God told the Israelites to, to continue every single year to celebrate the Passover as a way of remembering how God delivered them out of Egypt. You remember that story where Moses comes to the people and he says, hey, listen, God told me that the death angel is going to come. And so what you need to do is take a lamb and you need to sacrifice it and you need to take the blood of that lamb and paint it on the doorposts of your home. And when the death angel comes, he will what? Oh, you guys are so smart. Come on. He will 
Passover you, right? And so this was a feast that they kept every single year, even to this day, to remember the provision of the Lord. However, Passover isn't just about a time and a place in Egypt and an animal, a lamb. The Passover is a picture and a prophetic declaration of our Passover lamb, who is Jesus. And Jesus was crucified on Passover. As John the Baptist saw Jesus, the Bible says this, John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. See, even in the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament, God was pointing to what one day Jesus would do. He would come and die on the cross for our sins. And so Passover was, was this, the, the, first, the first feast, the first holiday, right? And, and so Jesus was crucified on Passover, the very next day, so the day after Passover, begun the unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is a significant, this is a significant celebration as well because what God told the children of Israel, he said, listen, you're going to not leaven your bread. You're, going, you're in Egypt, right? We're getting ready to get out of here. I want you to make unleavened bread. Why? Because you've got to go. You don't have time to wait around. And the leaven is symbolic of the sin and the evil of the world. What God was prophetically declaring through this feast and through this ordinance was that you have to come out. You cannot be like Egypt. You can't be like the world. You have to come out and reject the yeast of Egypt. And so they, they celebrated this feast of unleavened bread. And, and in this moment of time, remember, Jesus is dead. He's crucified on the cross. And the feast of unleavened bread, he is in the ground. Do you remember when Jesus said this? I am the bread of life. He is, he was, he will always be the bread of life. And it's in this day that he was buried in the earth. And the very next day, they celebrate the feast of first fruits. Remember, we just referenced that, right? The feast of first fruits. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible tells us that Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. And how many know this, that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, that it wasn't a one-time thing, but it was the first fruit from the dead so that when you and I pass away, we don't have, we, we have hope saying this, that one day we will rise again. He has done it first and all of us will rise again after him. You can go back to the, to the message there. Thank you. So we have the Passover. We have the unleavened bread and the first fruit. So how this lines up with Jesus, Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was in the ground on the feast of unleavened bread. There you go. And he was raised on the feast of first fruits. Amen. And so this is what happens, right? Remember the feast of first fruits, the day after you start counting one, two, three, four. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus rose from the grave, he began to fellowship with his disciples, teaching them and, and, and instructing them. And then he says this, wait, wait here in Jerusalem for the promise. Wait for the promise. And the Bible then tells us that the disciples, we just read it a few, a few moments ago, but that the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was given on that 50th Pentecost day. I want to show you, because remember what the Pentecost was. It was the celebration of the harvest. And I want to show you what happened on the first harvest after Jesus 
rose from the dead. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And, it, and it's, this is after Peter stands up and he's, he's preaching this wonderful message, right? The Holy Spirit comes. There's all this chaos that goes around. And all the people are like, what is going on? And Peter stands up and he preaches this message and he says this. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation, Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to the church. Now, now watch this. This is powerful because until that day, the church didn't exist. We, we had some disciples, we had some apostles that were hiding in the upper room because they were scared, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And 50 days after Christ rose from the dead, he sent his Holy Spirit on the day of the celebration of the harvest, and we see a giant harvest come in to the church. We see 3,000 souls being saved on the same celebration where the Jewish people celebrated the harvest. Do you think Pentecost is significant? Because here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying, is that, that the latter harvest is going to be greater than the former harvest. That, that there's, there's a time in these end times that we can, we can believe that the Holy Spirit is going to bring in more souls now at the end of days than at the beginning of the church. Come on, I believe that the Holy Spirit is preparing the church for a final great harvest. I believe that the Holy Spirit is preparing us to see Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people pulled in to relationship with Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, you don't understand how dark it's getting out there. No, I do. I understand. I get it. You don't understand where this world's going. It's corrupt. All this craziness has happened. No, I see it too. But I, I also have read a scripture verse in my Bible that says this, that, that when the light has come, the darkness could not comprehend the light. And listen, I know Satan's going to be mad. I know he's going to be upset. But I'm telling you what, when the light is turned on, it doesn't matter how dark it gets. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not struggling to win. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, almighty, and he is in control. And I believe this, that even in the midst of darkness, we're going to see souls saved into the kingdom of God. We're going to see the glory of God poured out on this earth again, just like they did 2,000 years ago in that upper room that we're going to see the Holy Spirit move in signs and wonders and miracles and many people are going to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on, do you believe that church? I believe that. This is what this holiday was all about, about thanking the Lord for the harvest. And there's a second, there's a second celebration that they, would, that, that they would have during this day of Pentecost. This isn't in your Bible, but many Jewish scholars and, and, and religious leaders believe they, they've done some careful calculations, and what they've determined is that this is the same day, the 50th day after the first fruits. this is the same day that Moses received the law of God from Mount Sinai. Do you remember that story? So, so here's how it goes. Remember, we talked about Passover, the, the death angel passed over, and then they came out of Egypt through the Red Sea. The children of Israel are wandering through the wilderness. And then the Bible tells us that they arrive at Mount Sinai. And it's at Mount Sinai that something very significant happens. The children of Israel come face to face with their God. They meet God. 
The Bible tells us that God descends on the mountain in fire and smoke and wind and all these crazy noises, right? And what happens is God comes down and he gives Moses the law. And so it's on this day that Jewish tradition and scholars, they also not only celebrate the harvest, but they celebrate the receiving of the word of God. They celebrate this day as this is the day that we receive the law. And I don't think it's a coincidence. We're going to talk about some things, but I just hear the Holy Spirit saying this. I don't think it's a coincidence that when they had a holiday to value and honor the word of God that the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment. I don't think it's a coincidence. And here's what I, here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. There's some people in this room that have felt distant and disconnected from God, that you felt like God has walked away from you, abandoned you, whatever the case is. And I'm telling you this, if you would learn as a Christian to honor the word of God, to hold God's word in high reverence and say, God, I honor and value your word, what you will see is the Holy Spirit bring the word of God alive in ways that you've never seen before in your life. Come on, I'm telling you, it's not enough just to flip through the pages, but Isaiah Isaiah 66 says this, that God looks on those who tremble at the word of God. When you hold the word in, in such reverence and honor, what you allow is you make room for the Holy Spirit to come and to unveil your eyes to who he is. Do you want to know God? Value his word. If you want to know him, value his word, memorize his word, meditate on his word, cherish and value and honor the word of God. Don't tell me coming to church is enough. Oh yeah, I want to know God. I'm just going to come to church. No, you can't know God here if you don't know the word. You will not ever be able to experience and encounter the presence of God if you don't honor and know and value the word of God. You know, I heard a Christian the other day just kind of talk bad about the word of God because they're like, oh, I don't believe it's accurate. I believe man's hands have touched it and they messed it up and this and that. Listen, I understand that people were involved, but don't get it twisted. God is still in control. He is sovereign and the word of God is the word of God. And when you and I view the word of God as that, man, the Holy Spirit is going to honor that. He's going to honor the fear, the reverence that we have, and he's going to explode your mind with revelation about who he is. But this is also what this holiday was celebrating. It was celebrating the receiving of the word of God. And so what I want to do is I want to draw some parallels, and this is so cool. So I want to take a look at the account in Exodus and then see and take a look at the account in Acts chapter 2. So we're first going to start in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to turn there, uh, I would encourage you to do that. But if you, if you don't want to, just jot this down, Exodus 20, because what I really want you to do um, is go back and read this whole account for yourself. Because I, I was studying, and I, I have a lot in here, and I didn't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want you to see this, because this is so powerful, this account. So, so jot this down, and I want you to go back home today and, and kind of do this study on your own. But in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 18 through 19, we're just going to read a small portion of it. But what we see is that God descends, just a few verses earlier, the Bible says that God descends in a cloud of fire on Mount Sinai. And what happened is God told Moses to position the children of Israel all around the mountain, right? And he positioned them around the mountain. And, and the children of Israel experienced this wonderful, magnificent moment of God coming down on the top of this mountain. It says this in verse 18, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled, and watch this, stood 
afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. So in this moment, right, we, when we, un, we understand this, what we really can do is understand the true intention and the true heart of God. Because this is God descending and attempting to conversate with his people. Did you know God's original design and plan was never that he would speak to you through a pastor or speak to you through a prophet or even speak to the children of Israel through, through priests and prophets? No, no, no. God's desire is that he could speak to you individually. And this is what God tries to do right in Mount Sinai. He comes down and he's like, I want to talk to my people. But what happens? The people get fearful of God and they say, no, 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 no. Don't talk to us, God. Don't speak to us. And what's interesting about this account, many, many, in the Jewish tradition, many rabbis believe this, is that God audibly spoke to every individual that was there. You know, in fact, if you look at this word thunderings in the Hebrew, the word thunderings really in the Hebrew means voices. And so what the people heard as they stood around the mountain is they heard God's voice. And, and many Hebrew scholars believe this, rabbis believe this, that God himself was giving every single Israelite that was there the law of God. He was speaking his word and his law to every single person. See, listen, God didn't want to just give it to Moses and Moses give it to everybody. No, he was trying to speak with everybody and tell them about who he is. And they said, no, 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 we can't handle that. It even says this, don't let God speak with us. We, we, we can't let God talk to us unless we'll die. Let's, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and let's, let's look at kind of the parallels here. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now before in Exodus 20, we see that there was a sound from heaven like a trumpet, the trumpet is a wind instrument. There was this noise. There was this sound from heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, we see this similar sound from heaven where, where God himself, the presence of the Lord, is filling that upper room. And it says this, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, it says this, then there appeared to them, go ahead, and verse 3, got it? Yeah. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Remember, God descended on Mount Sinai in flames. He descended in fire. In fact, a lot of places when we look in the Old Testament, fire will, will note the presence of God in that place. We see it on Mount Carmel where Elijah takes the prophets of Baal up to the mountain and God answers in what? Fire, the presence of the God, the presence of God falls on that mountain. And we see it also as the children of Israel are navigating their way through the wilderness, right? Do you remember what the Bible says? The Bible tells us this, that God led his people with a cloud by day and what by night? Fire by night. It's interesting to note this as well, that the pillar of fire that was leading them, it wasn't over the camp. Do you know what it hovered over? It hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. 
Do you know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Many of you do. Some of you might not. But the Ark of the Covenant was a gift that God gave the Israelites as his presence. It was like a big golden box that housed the presence of God. And everywhere they went, they carried the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And it was as if the person of God was traveling with them. But I want you to notice something very interesting here in Acts chapter 2, that the presence of God noted by a flame of fire was not hovering over a box. It wasn't hovering over a temple. It was hovering over every single individual person in that room, declaring this, that God no longer resides in an ark or in a temple, but God now has taken up residence inside of his people so that he now lives in you and in me. This is so powerful because what we realize is this is what God wanted all along. This was his design. This was his intention is that he wanted to be with his people. And in that upper room, the flaming fire of God that signified the presence of God hovered over every single individual. This is what Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, when he's speaking of the mystery of God. He says that the mystery of God is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what we see manifesting on this Pentecost Sunday. For the first time in all of creation since Adam and Eve fell, God now took up residence inside his people. We go on to say this in verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 5, it says this, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. I want you to pay attention to this. Watch this. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So what happened was the the Lord commanded all of the Israelite people that no matter where you're at in the earth, you are to come back to Jerusalem on this day to celebrate Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. So what happened was there there were Jews from all over the world in Jerusalem in that time. And the Bible tells us that as the apostles were speaking in other tongues, they were declaring the wonders and the mysteries of God, people from all over the world were walking down the street and they were hearing, they were hearing about who God is in their own language. And when we look back at Exodus chapter 2, remember the people stood around the mountain and before Moses handed them the law, they heard God personally. See, this, this, is, this is a shadow of what happened in Exodus 20, happening now on Pentecost, where people from all over the world, Jewish people from all over the world, were now again hearing the voice of God, not through the mouth of a prophet, but they were hearing it in their own tongue, in their own language. What was God doing? He was once again speaking to the individual people that he loves. This is the promise of Pentecost. This is the joy that we have today is that you don't have to rely on me standing on a stage or Pastor Troy or any of our incredible leaders, but the voice of God is readily available speaking to your life every moment of every day that God himself wants to individually and personally speak to your heart. This is what God did on this Pentecost Sunday and it was revolutionary 
This didn't happen the last time this happened. The people told God to stop. But now, watch this, this is so beautiful. Now, God removed the penalty of sin. Through what Jesus did on the cross. Do you remember what they said to him in Exodus 20? They said, don't talk to us unless we'll die. And God said this, fine, I'll, t- I'll remove the penalty of death then so I can talk to you. And Jesus dies on the cross and he removes the penalty of death by being able to forgive us of our sins. And God finally now can speak with his people without fear. This is the promise of Pentecost. This is, this is the fulfillment of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. We read in Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So God is referring to this moment on Sinai, this experience where he was refused by his people. He says, no, 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 I'm going to make a new covenant with you. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them. Watch this in verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Church, this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate not just Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, but we celebrate this truth, this truth, the new covenant is Christ in you. This is what we celebrate. Not that we get to go to heaven, but Pentecost means heaven came to us. Heaven came down. Holy Spirit filled our life. And now as the church, we don't have to wait to meet God. We don't have to come to church to hear God. We don't have to find somebody to explain who God is. But God himself can take up residence with us and he can speak to us and lead us and love us and forgive us and guide us by the power of of his Holy Spirit. The covenant is Christ in you. I want to show you this last thing before we close, that the law brought death, but the Spirit brings life. The law of God brought death, but the Spirit of God brings life. This is why, and I want you to hear me before we get into it, this is why it's so important that you don't just pick up your Bible and and read it. The Bible is great and read it, but without the activation of the Holy Spirit, there is no hope for you to have revelation. Jesus and Peter have a conversation and and Jesus is like, Peter, who who are people saying that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus does not say, Peter, you read the New Testament. Good job. You read the Bible. No, it's not what Jesus says. Jesus tells Peter that God himself has granted him revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. And and until you understand that it's by the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you can read the whole book of the Bible, the the whole Bible every day for 30 years, and you're never going to understand it without the Holy Spirit. You'll never understand it. Your eyes will never be opened without the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see this because the law itself only brings death. The law itself just tells you and reminds you of how you couldn't live up to it. 
without Jesus. But it's the spirit and the law that brings life. In Exodus chapter 32, right, we see God speaking to his people in Exodus 20, and and they say, no, 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 we can't handle this. And so God calls Moses up to the mountain, and Moses comes up, and and God and Moses begin to have this dialogue, and God says, fine, if the people aren't going to listen to me, I'm going to give my law to Moses. And and God gives the law to Moses, and and the Bible tells us, you remember the story, that as Moses is coming down the mountain with the tablets of stone, he sees something that is it makes him pretty upset. He sees the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf. He's like, what in the world? And Aaron, that knucklehead, is the one who made it for him. Why? Because Moses was taking too long. <laughs> Man, that's a whole separate message on patience right there. I'm waiting on the Lord, but we're not going to go there. But Moses was taking too long, and so the people made for themselves their own God. The Bible tells us that Moses came down, he threw the tablets down in his frustration and his anger and rebukes the people. And God, you can imagine God was furious. He tells Moses, listen, I'm going to wipe all of these people off the planet and I'm going to start over with you. (laughs) And Moses prays and petitions and he, he says, no, God, no, 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 don't do that. Remember Abraham, remember Isaac, remember your covenant, right? But the people of Israel were, were not without consequence. And the day the law came down from God, this is what happened. In Exodus 32, verse 28, so the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. The day the law came, the day, the moment the law came, the children of Israel failed to fulfill it. I mean, do you remember what the law says? There shall be no other God before me. The day God said that, they put another God before him. (laughs) They couldn't even make it 24 hours. The day he said, don't serve any other gods, they served other gods. And they failed the law. And this was their consequence. Moses gathered up the Levites and he sent the Levites out to to kill those who disobeyed the Lord. The Bible tells us that 3,000 fell that day. When we look over in the book of Acts, what we see In Acts 2, 41, then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. The law without the Holy Spirit brings death. But when the Holy Spirit was given, there was no more consequence of death because Jesus died on the cross, and now we see 3,000 not killed, but 3,000 saved and brought into the kingdom of God. This is the beautiful picture that God is repainting here on Pentecost Sunday. His, his, his almost like do-over, if you will, of that Exodus 20 experience where he says, listen, I, I wanted to be your God. I wanted to be intimate. I wanted to be personal, but you pushed me away. You rejected me. But now, because of what Jesus did on that cross... I can come down, I can speak to you, we can remove the penalty of death, and now I can truly give you life. You know, Jesus tells us in John chapter 17, verse 3, that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the experience and the encounter that 3,000 Jewish people had on that Pentecost Sunday in the book of Acts, is that they understood and they knew and they gained revelation of who Jesus is, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to close here today. You guys can come up, but I want to read the scripture verse as we close in Acts chapter 2. It says this, Peter is speaking to the children of Israel. 
The Holy Spirit has fallen upon him. And remember, this is the same Peter that was so afraid of a little girl. No offense, any little girls in this room. You guys just aren't that scary. Um, Jacqueline, I mean, you're just so cute. You're not scary. You know, you're just, it just is what it is. But, but Peter, the same person who was afraid of this little girl, stands up in front of thousands and, thousands and preaches the word of God. What is that? That is the transformation by the Holy Spirit, right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes into your life. And so Peter's preaching this message and he refers back to Joel and he says, listen guys, we're not drunk. This isn't crazy. This is what we're seeing. This is what we're witnessing. The Spirit of God being poured out in the last days. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 37, now when they heard this, the words of Peter, they were cut to the heart. Who cut them to the heart? Because it wasn't Peter, it was the Holy Spirit. This is, this is now the first time that we see the church preaching this message, not in their own power, not in their own wisdom. They weren't persuading, they weren't convincing, they were preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and Peter and the rest of the apostles, and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter, okay, what should we do with all this? Then Peter said to them three things. He said, repent. He said, repent. What shall you do? Repent. Turn. Repentance means this, turning around, changing your way of thinking. He's telling these people, listen, you've thought this way. You have to change your mind and realize that Christ was in fact who he said he was and he did rise again after you crucified him on the third day and that he is your only way to the Father and by, by no other name shall men be saved under heaven than Jesus. He's telling them to repent and turn and let every one of you be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. I want to clarify something today. Baptism is not just a symbol. Baptism is not just a tradition, something cute to do on a Sunday. Baptism is a part of our identifying with Christ. Can I tell you something? I believe that the church, because we failed to understand the reality of baptism, we failed to truly understand the conversion that comes with Christ. Because what baptism says is that I have been crucified with him, I am identifying with his burial, and I'm coming up back to life with him. But the problem is there's many Christians today, today that claim the name of Jesus, but they don't want to die. They claim the name of Jesus and they want their free ticket to heaven, but they don't want to go down. But, but here's what Paul says in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And we all want to know God in the power of his resurrection, but you won't know him in the power of his resurrection until you know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And then he says this, being conformed to his death. You can't be resurrected if you never die, baby. And as a Christian, we have to get past this false way of thinking to say this, I can have Christ and I don't have to change. I can have Christ and I don't have to, I don't have to lay down my, my wants, my desires. Because I was born this way and Christ, he made me like this. And he wants, no, 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 he wants you to die. This is the idea that you repent, you change your mind and you go down in the water and die with Christ. And it's only then that you and I receive 
the resurrection power of Jesus. So this is what Peter's saying, repent and be baptized, and then finally receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What shall we do, Peter? You repent, you die, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, he says this, for the promise, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the promise in Acts chapter 1. Go look it up. He refers to the Holy Spirit as the promise, and Peter echoes him here in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And I want, I, I want to make that distinction clear because there are many people in the church today that believe that the Holy Spirit was only meant for this day of Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit was for the church, the Holy Spirit was for the, the first church, and that stuff is not for today. Signs and wonders and healing and miracle and tongues, that stuff's not for today. But this is clear. The Bible is not, this is, this is very clear here. Peter says, for the promise. The promise is the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says the promise. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. See, many people even fail to realize that the book of Acts doesn't take place in a week. It takes place over like 50 years. And 25 years later, Paul is preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit falls. So if it's, not, if it's just for then, where's the line? When's the cutoff line? Is it, is it 80 years? Is it 100 years? This isn't, a, this isn't a one-time event. This is the fulfillment of what God intended from the beginning of time. In the same way that Jesus dying on the cross wasn't a one-time event, it was the fulfillment. The Bible says that he was, he was a lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. This, was, this wasn't a, a moment in time. This was a fulfillment of what was always been planned. In that same way, Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit, is the fulfillment for what God has intended from the day Adam and Eve ate that apple. He intended for us again to be people who can carry the presence of God. So stand to your feet with me as we close today. I want to ask you a couple questions before we leave. If you're in this room and you've never repented, you've never repented and turned from your way of thinking and turned to Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that today. And I want my altar ministers to come up. You guys come up. Any pastors and elders too, if you're here, come up, come on up. But if you've never repented and turned from your way of thinking to God's way of thinking, I'm going to ask you to come to the front here in a moment. And if you've never been baptized, we're going to do baptisms. I know, I think Sharon told me July 30th is when our next baptism is, July 30th. But you don't have to wait to get baptized to die to your flesh. You can get you can get spiritually baptized right here, right now. And then thirdly, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, what does that mean, to receive the Holy Spirit? Now, I want to make this clear, is that you can, when you get saved, you, 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 the Lord comes inside of you, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. But there is this receiving of the Holy Spirit, meaning this, meaning that you acknowledge his existence on the inside of you and you submit to his authority on the inside of you. There's a difference between living life with God and living life submitted to God. 
And if you've never received the Holy Spirit as your comforter, as your leader, as your guide, as your Lord, and as your master, this is something that we have to do as Christians. Receive the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never done those things, and if you've never received the gift of speaking in tongues as well, this is, this is something that I want to make available to you today as well. But if you're here in this room and you've never done the, one of those three things or all of the three things, I believe that on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit again is going to pour out His Spirit on us. And in the same way they experienced and encountered God in such a powerful, magnificent way, I believe that you have the opportunity not to just leave this room and go home and have lunch and have a good day. You can do that. But you can also leave filled with the presence of God. You can also leave filled with the person of the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to try to come to church to find him or, or go to this place to find him, but the same tongues of fire that were over the apostles will hover over your head all the days of your life, marking the presence of God inside of you. So if you would with me, just lift your hands up to heaven like this. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We receive you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for that day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago where the spirit of the living God took up residence inside of men. We thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just leave us as we were as orphans, but you fulfilled your promise of sending your Holy Spirit to us. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, verse 3, you said that if a father being evil knows how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so in this moment right now, we ask for your Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence. We ask you, Jesus, to send again a fresh fire, a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit, and we will submit to him. We will allow him to lead us and guide us. And just as the Spirit moved so powerfully in the book of Acts, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our lives the same way. Would you be honored and reverenced in our life? And will you, according to your word in John 16, will you reveal Jesus to us? Show us who Jesus is. Let us not play with a dead religion that only causes death. But Holy Spirit, will you bring us life? Breathe life into our relationship with you right now. We love you and we bless you. In your mighty name I pray. Come on, everybody said. So this is what I want to do. As, we, as I dismiss here, I'm going to ask you, if you're, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, I feel like I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you've never given your life to God, or, or, or whatever the case is, I'm going to invite you to come forward as we dismiss. And, I, and if we're in this room and you're not going to come forward, let's honor and respect those who are having their time here at the altar, and, and we can make our way out. But, but I believe truly, if, if this is your desire to count, encounter the Holy Spirit in ways you've never had before, I believe that that's made available for you today. So we love you so much. I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this Pentecost Sunday with us at Church on the North Coast. Remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard. And if you need anything at all, come this way before you come that way. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next time.